So there's only one place that you can be safe from the wrath of God. God's wrath is an incredibly serious topic, and if we're going to be safe from it, we need to know what solicits God's wrath. That's what we're going to see in the book of Micah, chapter 5, six verses today, verses 10 through 15. The Bible says, And it will be in that day, declares Yahweh, that I will cut off your horses from among you and destroy your chariots. And I will cut off the cities of your land and pull down all your fortifications. And I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you will have soothsaying no more. And I will cut off your graven images and your sacred pillars from among you so that you will no longer worship the work of your hands. And I will uproot your ashram from among you and eradicate your cities. And I will execute vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations which have not listened. Micah chapter 5 verses 10 through 15. We're studying the scriptures today and in verse number 10, it will be in that day. If you've been following along through any of the previous chapters in the book of Micah, you know that we're talking about a future eschatological day when... Uh, there will be no vain sources of security um, because God will cause all of them to disappear. In that day, what's going to happen? In that day, declares Yahweh, I'll cut off your horses from among you. There won't be any uh, attack or defense mechanisms that will be able to withstand the wrath of God. Um, This is very important because back in Deuteronomy chapter 17, uh, Israel's king was to trust God. That was the command. Trust me. You don't need chariots and horses like the Egyptians do. You don't need to rely on the cavalry. Uh, If you are a follower of God, you trust him, and he handles your uh, provision. He handles your prosperity. He handles your protection. Uh, God takes care of all of that. And so we need to understand what God is saying here, uh, both to Israel and to you and I. You will never be safe trusting in anything outside side of the sovereign hand of God. You will never be safe trusting the creation rather than the creator. And when you get into a position where you stop trusting God and you start trusting what the Egyptians, you trust in uh, Egypt is often a picture of the world. You trust in what the world trusts in, horses and chariots, cars and money, Uh, financial security, in your health, in uh, your friend group, in your uh, position, in your employment. You trust in the things that the Egyptians trust in, and you have set yourself in opposition against God. And know this, there's coming a day, in, in, in that day, all those things are going to disappear. So uh, protection can only be found in the creator. And when we start to trust in the creation, we're setting ourselves up to experience the uh, wrath of God. Now, believer, you will not experience the wrath of God in a future eschatological day. Understand this, uh, that if you are a follower of Christ, you're not trusting in any of those things. You're placing your faith and your trust in Jesus Christ. But in the book of Micah, the prophet here is speaking to Israel and he's saying, uh, wrath is coming 
and uh, don't miss it. Everything is going to be torn down. What's going to be torn down? In verse number 11, we get a little bit more detail. I'll cut off the cities of your land and pull down your fortifications. Uh, cities are a symbol of luxury and of pride. And fortifications, those would be the defense mechanisms to protect that luxury and that pride. And when you trust in anything outside of the creator, when you begin to trust in the creation, the things of your own making, your cities and your uh, fortifications to protect those cities, you've set yourself up against God and they don't stand a chance. They're coming down. The strongholds are coming down. Verse number 12, I will cut off sorceries from your hand and you will have soothsaying no more. What's happening in that day? God says, well, in that day, uh, there will be no sorcerers. There'll be no seeking information from demonic sources. Uh, Sorcery happens in so many different ways, and it's not a simply uh, Old Testament concept. We see it a lot today. We find people that are going to things like Ouija boards. We find people going to things like the horoscope. We find people searching for answers like meeting with Uh, fortune tellers or trying to have seances and speak with someone who has died. You're not talking with a past loved one. You're talking with a demon there. And we find Christians who are participating in sorcery by trying to communicate with demons. When you're talking with a demon, uh, get this, it's sorcery. You're seeking information from demonic sources. And in that day, uh, there'll be no more of that and more to come on why that's going to be impossible in a future study. He says there'll be no more soothsaying. The sorceries are done and the soothsaying is done. Uh, These are people that the prophet is speaking to that were like cloud readers and storm makers. They really thought that they were predicting things in the future by studying the clouds, and they genuinely believed that uh, they could perform various rituals to bring storms or push away storms. And over and again, Throughout the Old Testament ministry of the prophets, these uh, storm makers are put to shame. God controls the weather, whether or not you like it, uh, but people continue to go back to things that they think gives them authority and power because they want to set themselves in opposition to God. It's a pride thing, and God is bringing it down in verse number 12. Verse number 13, I'll cut off your graven images and your sacred pillars from among you so that you'll no longer worship the work of your hands. These graven images, I think that goes without saying, we're talking about idols of humans' own making and these sacred pillars. This is an interesting thing in the life of Israel because uh, marking a sacred place where you worship God uh, was allowed you find that uh, Abram, Abraham builds altars to the Lord and they become sacred places. Uh, we find the marking of Bethel, sacred place. But these sacred pillars are where Israel took something that was allowed and turned it into a custom that became cultish that ended in idolatry. And so God says, I'm pulling everything down that you worship because you made it. What's interesting to me is that history continues to repeat itself until people learn from it and repent of it. And building houses of worship today are totally permissible. And I love a beautiful church building. 
I love walking into a place that feels a little transcendent. I mean, for our generation, we're thinking of places that have been built of brick and stone that have been ornately crafted with stained glass windows. And uh, depending on the denomination, you know, maybe a, a beautiful pulpit and maybe a pipe organ and maybe wooden pews. And you're walking through this house of worship that probably has incredible acoustics. And it stands as a marker of this is where we get gather to worship God. The problem is that sometimes uh, we do what Israel does. We take something that's permissible and we turn it into a custom, which leads us into cultish behavior, which leads us into idolatry. Uh, let's think about uh, the buildings that were like, well, no, we we can never not have pews because, because this is the way we do it. And it's just not real worship if it's not done with pews. I'm sorry. I'm looking for the chapter and verse where that's found. I'm thinking about the people that are like, no, we, we can't take down the pipes for the pipe organ. And I, I know no one knows how to play it anymore, but it's just not, it has to be here if we're going to worship. What, what are they actually worshiping? The people that are fighting over the color carpet, over the style of seating, over the types of windows or the uh, steeple on the building or not on the building. What are those people actually worshiping? Because it's not God. It's something that was permissible for the worship of God that became a custom. And when we become accustomed to something, um, we take what could be a beautiful tradition that points to truth and we become traditionalists for the sake of tradition. What is that? It's nothing more than an undercover cult and that leads us into idolatry where we're worshiping our creation rather than the creator. And God says in that day, It's all coming down. But he doesn't stop there. He moves on into the next verse, uh, verse number 14 in chapter 5. I'll uproot your ashram from among you and eradicate your cities. Um, Maybe you're looking at a translation that says Groves. And I used to have a friend that would throw these verses in my face because my last name is Groves. And he's like, there's coming a day when God's going to tear you down and... uh, God's not talking about a group of people here. He's talking about how the the ashram, these groves, uh, the goddess of productive power of nature. Um, today, we would call it Mother Nature. Uh, not a new concept to this form of idolatry. Um, people building these and planting these and cultivating these ornate groves, these ashram. Um, symbolized, this goddess symbolized by wooden uh, trees. And God says, I'm bringing it down. All power belongs to me. You don't worship the creation rather than the creator. And God is driving this point home. The cities of luxury that are filled with idolatry, the, the place of comfort where you worship what you have built rather than me, they're all coming down in that day, in that future eschatological day. And verse number 15, it's our final verse today. And I will execute vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations which have not listened. I will execute vengeance in anger and wrath on the nations which have not listened. Now, there's quite a bit in this verse. Um, Here it is. 
the reason why God is emphasizing the cities are coming down is because uh, cities have almost always, from history till present day, descended into idolatry. The higher the city, the lower the morality. Uh, today, uh, the higher the buildings, the bigger the high rises, it's almost like uh, we've planted towers of Babel all around uh, the United States of America or whatever nation you may be watching from. It's happening. And it's not that someone building the you know, Sears Tower or whatever it's called today was like, I'm going to build a stairway to heaven like Babel. Here it is. The more people get stacked on top of each other, the less they uh, realize what God has called us to do. The less work becomes hard, the less we labor with our hands, the less we uh, see the beauty of God's creation. The more people get packed together, the more they think that they're powerful and they're awesome and they can, I mean, Look at any major city around the United States of America and look at the politics of that city and the crime of that city. And we're seeing that the higher the city, the lower the morality and God's bringing it all down. He's bringing it all down. God's going to execute vengeance. What does this say? In anger and wrath on the nations which have not listened. Why? Here are these groups of people that have been trusting in ashram and in soothsayers and in demonic sorceries. They're trusting in, in magic rather than in the master. And today uh, we're being called to do the same thing. Um, some of us don't look to the horoscope, but we sure do look to the news uh, to tell us how we ought to feel for the day. We sure do go to the newspaper to see what we ought to do for the day. Uh, we sure do scroll through social media to find out how we're supposed to feel about something for the day. How is that really any different than what they're doing? Um, we're, we're to go to the scripture. Uh, we're to go to the master. We're to surrender our emotions and our thoughts and our motives and our actions to the power of the Holy Spirit. And some of us have surrendered to the power of social media and social influence and to peer pressure and to culture. And if you've lived through recent days, you've been told, trust the science, trust the science, trust the science. And over and again, facts disprove the science that the uh, news media has been propagating because uh, the news media on the behest of a corrupt government led by evil people influenced by demonic powers want to suppress the truth and they want to control the populace. They want to destroy children. They want to eliminate masculinity and femininity. They want to, uh, they want to blind us to God's identity ultimately and we're being told to trust it and we're being told to trust it in the same way that these people were trusting in their magic and it's it's just not going to work friend god's going to bring it all down and execute vengeance and anger on the nations who did not listen god's wrath is coming now he says all the nations here in this final verse, and that's important because Micah really begins his uh, prophecy as directed by God with, uh, hear all the people, hear, O people, all of you. This is for everyone. Don't miss this. And vengeance is what is going to be executed in anger and wrath on the nations who don't listen to God and to God's messengers. This word vengeance, it's a legal term for uh, royal uh, suzerain. 
It's a royal suzerain against rebels who don't acknowledge the ruler's sovereignty. Uh, the king is in charge and people rebel against the king and claim that they're in charge and that they're independent and that they're in control and uh, legal vengeance is coming and ultimately uh, eternity is on the way, friend. And in that day, all will bow. Every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You can worship him now because you want to or worship him someday because you have to. But at the end of the day, Jesus is king uh, absolute and eternal, and he's king all by himself. And you don't want to experience God's wrath, and maybe you've come upon this video and you're not a follower of Christ. You don't have faith in God. You are not filled with the Holy Spirit. Can I tell you what brings God's wrath? Maybe you're a Christian watching and you're wondering, um, what are the things that elicit God's wrath? Well, throughout the Old Testament, there are a, a few things Um Four uh, in particular that I want you to see. What brings God's wrath? Well, in Isaiah chapter 16, uh, verse 6 and 7, we've heard of the pride of Moab, how proud he is of his arrogance, his pride and his insolence, his idle boasting. He is not right. Therefore, because of, did you get it? The pride, the arrogance, the insolence. Let Moab wail for Moab. Let everyone wail, mourn, utterly stricken for the... Raisin cakes of Ker Harasheth. What, what is he talking about? The raisin cakes and the mourning and the utterly stricken. See, God's wrath is coming and they're mourning. Why? Because their pride brought about God's wrath. What brings God's wrath? Let's ask the prophet Amos, who in chapter 1, beginning in verse 3, all the way through chapter 2 and verse 3, begins to detail that wickedness and brutality bring God's wrath. God is a God of grace and a God of mercy, and he's a God of justice, and we're called to let justice flow like a river. It's our everyday thing. We don't just look for justice when we've been wronged. We want to be as the church, as followers of Christ. Christ, a people of justice. We want to be all about justice because justice is linked with mercy and linked with grace and linked with truth. It's the very character of God and he is justice. And so if we're people of God, we're people of justice. And the Lord says in Amos 1 verse number three, for three transgressions of Damascus and for four, I will not revoke the punishment because they have threshed Gilead with threshing sledges of iron. If you read through the rest of uh, Amos' prophecy and his message from God, you find out that wickedness and brutality bring the wrath of God. Any nation that is filled with corrupt wickedness and brutality, a nation that is turning its nose at justice, is, is calling for God's wrath to come against them. And it's coming. It's coming. It's vengeance with anger what brings God's wrath? The third thing, the oppression of Israel. When you go against Israel, you bring about God's wrath. Well, I, I heard that's a political thing. I, I'm going to need a verse for that. Maybe you're saying, is there a verse for that? Well, there's there's many beginning in Genesis chapter 12, but I'm going to give you Obadiah chapter 10. Uh, or rather, there's only one chapter in Obadiah. I'm going to give you Obadiah verse number 10. Here it is. Because of the violence done to your brother Jacob, shame shall cover you and you shall be cut off forever. God says, you went against my people. You went against Jacob. And because of that, you'll be cut off for how long? 
It's not time out. It's not 10 minutes. It's not put your nose in a corner. It's a forever thing. And in Genesis chapter 12, God promises to bless those who bless Israel, curse those who curse Israel. Don't miss it. When you go against Israel, when you set yourself against, well, I thought that was just an Old Testament thing. I thought it was an Old Testament thing. Check out the book of Revelation and find out that it's a God's principle thing. It's a God's word thing. It's not some sort of um, disp- uh, dispensationalist um sensationalism. Uh, It's not some sort of old covenant um, for our uh, study, but not for our application. Don't let somebody label this as something other than what it is. It's Bible. When you go against Israel, you're bringing God's wrath. And here's the fourth one. Um, Psalm chapter two, verse 12. I want to read it to you. The Bible says, kiss the sun. This isn't uh, the sun in the sky, this is capital S-O-N, kiss the sun lest he be angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath is quickly kindled. Blessed are all who take refuge in him. You know what brings God's wrath? Uh, when we violate the holiness of God. When we violate the holiness of his son. We're to kiss the sun. What do you mean, kiss the sun? We're, we're talking about pay our respects. We're talking about greeting. We're talking about worship. We're talking about admiration. We're talking about love. We're talking about God's son, y'all. And you don't want to miss it. You want to kiss the sun. What would be the antithesis of kiss? Maybe to, to slap or to rebuke or to reject or to go against, you go against God's son and his anger is kindled and you perish in the way. Kiss the son. Blessed are all. Happy are those. Makarios are all who take refuge. Blessed are those who take refuge in the son of God, friend. If you want blessings, if you want happiness, if you want provision, if you want protection, friend, if you want to avoid God's wrath, Kiss the Son of God, acknowledge and walk in and live in and abide in His holiness because you violate His holiness and you're bringing God's wrath. What brings God's wrath? Pride, wickedness and brutality, oppression of Israel, and a violation of His holiness. And so now's our time to really take some personal inventory based on what we've seen in God's Word today and ask ourselves these three uh, journal questions, three things to pray on. Here they are. First one. Where do you feel safe? The people of Israel here felt safe in the cities of their own making with the fortifications of their own construction. Where is it that you feel safe? Because if it's in anything or anyone apart from the power and the person of Jesus Christ, you're not safe, friend. You're not safe. And God's wrath is coming on those who search for protection in anything other than than him. Here's the second one. Where is your trust? Where's your faith? Where's your trust? Isn't that the same kind of question? Well, yes, but different. What are you putting your faith in? When that day comes, where will you be? Where where will your faith have been? In who did you trust? These are questions for us to consider today and maybe for the follower of Christ who has been trusting and leaning in their own understanding. Today's the day to renew afresh our trust in him and ask God to increase our faith. Where is your faith? Where is your trust in where do you feel safe? 
Three questions, all fairly similar, but all representing different facets of our life, things we need to consider today. Avoiding God's wrath, placing our trust in Him, and asking Him to increase our faith, the faith that comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. This has been Micah chapter 5, verses 10 through 15, and we'll see you again in the next video as we continue this verse-by-verse study. If you've enjoyed these videos, uh, don't forget to rate uh, the podcast, review it, leave a thumbs up on this video, leave a comment, subscribe to the channel, all the things that you can do to help other people study the scriptures and see how the Bible applies to everything. Thank you.